I just made a word up. That's so funny. <laughs> we just became a conglomerate. <laughs> Where did that word come from? More than five from? letters. More yeah, than five not, letters. That's, that's, right. that's five syllables. That's more than five letters. My husband works with computers, and that is very different <laughs> than ministry. Yeah. So I can throw something out, and you can say, that's stupid, Kay. We have a severe case of collective ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Community and connection have been vitally important because, you know, if you do it by yourself, it's all your fault. There were 15 of us in a tiny room. With- we have no idea how professional or unprofessional this thing may turn out once we're done with it. Check, check, one, two, is this thing on? Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations with could be ministry leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. Uh, my name is Chris Lynch, and we are excited uh, for a number of reasons today as we record this podcast. Uh, I am joined by a couple of normal uh, normals. They're not normal. A couple of regulars. There's nothing normal about this thing. Yes. Uh, a couple of regulars, uh, Laura McLean and Kay Wolfinger. And also uh, our second special guest, uh, Tim Beck is here. Tim is the youth director at Wadsworth UMC, uh, just outside of Akron. Uh, I usually say Ohio. Hey, oh, Akron. Well, yeah. Uh, are there Akrons? I mean, mm-hmm. there's I other know. Akrons. Okay. Does anybody know? Another, I mean, seriously, it, <laughs> I'm gonna say, Google. Uh, it's kind of like, what'd you say? I'm going to Google, Google. Google. Of course you are. The Google queen is striking up early. But I mean, when you say Akron, I mean, there, I'm sure there's other Clevelands too, but you know, the Cleveland's in Ohio. There is a very well-known Cleveland, Tennessee. There's an Akron, New York. The Church of God is headquartered. Oh, the, yes. That's right. In Cleveland, it's Tennessee. That's actually not far from my um, sister-in-law and, and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. I actually went to a camp at Lee University in Cleveland mm-hmm. when I was in the local church years ago. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> anyway, we're, oh, I don't know. Yeah, from Colorado. Yeah, from Akron. Colorado, too. Akron, see, I bet nobody's, I bet, no. I bet it would take us a long time to find anybody who's been to Akron, Colorado. <laughs> Um, hey, message us if you have. Absolutely. Please let me know and say, Chris, you're wrong. I've been to Akron. I vacationed in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, Akron, Colorado. Um, anyway, I usually say say hello, ladies, but I can't do that day because Tim's here. So say hello, guys. Hello. Hey. I can't say guys either. I got to be a little more political. It's okay. It doesn't offend me. No. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um. So we brought Tim on as uh, kind of an in the trenches. You know, uh, three of us have lots of um, past experience in in local church work, uh, but have not been there in a number of years now. And so we thought, why not have a voice of somebody who's actually in the trenches? So we invited Tim on. Tim, do you want to tell everybody about yourself any more than what we already told? Anything you want to share at this point before we jump in that people might want to know about you? First of all, thanks for inviting me on. I'm happy to be here. been listening to your podcasts and... Um, I'll throw in some y'alls to fit in. Um, uh, I did go to I, I went to college in Kentucky, so I did okay. for a period of time. I had some y'all in my my blood, but um, it's probably faded over the years. I, I joked with uh, y'all before we got on the I joked with him before we got on the podcast that Kay is trying to take over the podcast with folks from the Midwest because right. um, all of our guests have been all of them, all two of them have both been. Um, well, you know, I just how want. Do you, how do you say Ohio? Is it Ohioans? Is that right? Uh-huh. Sure. Cool. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Yeah. I'm just helping people so that there's more voices on that they can understand. Because <laughs> we don't have an accent in Ohio. Yeah, right. Not at all. <laughs> right. None. Not, not at all. Uh, also, so, so the, the conversation today is going to revolve around uh, parent involvement, particularly in youth ministry. And we tend to do this sometimes because, well, that's really kind of our background, our, not only our background, but a lot of our passion is connecting and equipping youth youth leaders, although we hope some of the uh, stuff we put out, we know we've got some pastors that listen as well. Um, and Tim didn't tell us about himself. Oh, sorry. Else, Tim? He, went, he went to school and co- went to college. I went, yeah, I did. I went to Asbury College back in the day. I've been in student ministry, full-time student ministry for, this is my 24th year, and had some volunteer years and some extension ministry a couple years before that. So I've been since college, since I was 20 years old, um, I've been working with teenagers and um, and I'm in Wadsworth. This is my 11th year in Wadsworth. Prior to that, I was in um, down in a church near Canton. Uh, but yeah, uh, awesome. thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's good timing to have an Asbury uh, guy here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They're in the news yeah. a lot. Um, everybody now knows Hughes Auditorium. I'm assuming you spent some time there when you were there. I did, yeah. Whether I wanted to be there or not, there were some right. requirements. Most but often, no, I, yeah, like yeah, most yeah. places, you didn't really want to be there, but you had to go. Yeah, to get that credit. Right, um, right. Fair Shout enough. So, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about parent involvement, uh, and Tim's got some great insights for us as well as some of our usual zaniness, I guess. Uh, so, as far as cold open, which I learned today was a reference to the office. I told you on a previous podcast, if you're listening and have listened before, that I'm not a big office guy. And so I had no idea that a cold open was from the from the office, but there it is. Uh, so, so today's cold open, as we're talking about parenting, we, we 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 thought about you know talking about what's your greatest parent failed, and we realized we're all pretty good parents. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. First, we that, should have our kids on, and yeah. then maybe they would oh, tell you all different. Well, we we didn't yeah, ask. <laughs> we luckily did not ask Anna that question. I'm sure she would have debunked that theory. So we decided instead to talk about kind of the one time or to share one occurrence when we got in uh, trouble with our parents. So uh, to share with us guys one one uh, time you remember getting in deep trouble with your parents. I'd love to hear this. This should be good. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Don't, all, don't all jump no. at one time. So we should probably plan is- this and like all beforehand say, okay, this is the order we're going to go in. But where's the fun? Uh, right. No. Um, mine involves alcohol, um, particularly you're, you're one of those kids, homemade wine, um, <laughs> you yeah. in your bathtub. I uh, know, but my, Stomping best the friends, <laughs> my best friend's grandfather made it and we were home alone one night at her house and bored, yada, yada, yada. She ended up getting her stomach pumped. <gasps> oh, oh, oh my gosh. And we were, well, because she was on penicillin. Yeah. So a um, couple lessons there. <laughs> Number one, homemade wine is really potent. Number two, um, don't mix <laughs> drugs and alcohol. <laughs> and, and we were grounded. We were in eighth grade. Um, oh, my gosh. I know. I know. And honestly, that kind of turned me off to alcohol. I'd so so. I I, I was not, that was not like the beginning of a path down a wrong road in that arena for me. So we were around so from we, each other for a while. <laughs> maybe we need to have a disclaimer here. We did not promote the yeah. 
<laughs> right. Number it's three, just say no. Yeah. Just right. say no. Don't, right. don't do thank it. You. Thank you. Nancy. I mean, I don't think we have young people listening to our podcast. <laughs> thank you, Nancy Reagan, for that. Yes, for that right. Entry, if entry you grew up in the 80s, you know. That's right. right. Yeah. That's don't, don't do it. Just Laura, Laura, what was yours? Well, um, mine was a little less intense, I suppose. <laughs> we, we had been to like this little market it was kind of a farmer's market kind of place near our house and there were peanuts in a barrel and I just put some in my pocket and when I was little I was I promise this was not high school when we got (laughs) home um I pulled them out and I was just chomping on some peanuts and my mom said uh where did those come from and I said oh from the horn of plenty and she said you didn't pay for those. And I was like, yeah, they were just in the barrel, you know, no big deal. And she said, Laura, that is stealing. <laughs> and so then I had to go back and pay for the peanuts. So then Laura was never allowed after that point to go to those uh, right. candy stores where you can take your own candy and pay. by Exactly. The pound. Yeah. yeah. Pinch a pound is not an option. I think that's a pretty innocent thing as a kid. I mean, they're just there. You had to learn the lesson. That's I think that I did. Innocent. I have not stolen peanuts since. That's good. <laughs> Matter of fact, or anything even, else. Matter of fact, I don't even eat peanuts anymore. Yeah, so, that's right. Because of that well, experience. go to a Texas roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, I was highly disappointed. Um, two weeks, a week or not long ago. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. We went to Texas Roadhouse with with my daughter and her new boyfriend, and they don't have peanuts there anymore. Or that was a COVID. Um, it's all COVID. Oh gosh. I was really, I was highly disappointed. One of my favorite things to film myself, peanuts at Texas Roadhouse are kind of like chips and salsa at the uh, Mexican, Mexican restaurant. You get in the rolls. Yes. And then the rolls, they, do, they still do the rolls. Okay, good. Which is not good for a guy who's trying to not eat, to eat bread because I ate a lot of bread that night. I probably ate more bread in that meal than I've eaten in the last month and a half. Tim, how about <laughs> your, um, your uh, one, one memory you've got of, of, of getting in trouble with your parents? So I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. And uh, this should be really good. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When I was really little, our church parsonage was within a hop, skip and a jump from the church. So it wouldn't be uncommon for me to go over to the church when my dad was in a meeting in the evening and, you know, I don't know, play in the fellowship hall or whatever. And so one one night he was in a meeting and I I was just over there playing in like the children's ministry area, children's church. And you remember how churches used to have those like cardboard. They were like fake bricks, like blocks that you could stack. Yes. And there was a record player in there and, you know, mixed in with like the music man and some of these like uh, children's ministry records. Cause you know, that's dead old data back in the day. That's how they used to have to play music for your kids. Somebody had shoved in there a novelty record and it was CW McCall. The song was called convoy Google it from the seventies. And it's a song about a trucker convoy and how they burst through a bunch of police cars on their, their way to, I don't know, they're probably bootlegging or something. <laughs> So I piled up all these bricks all the way high uh, in front of the door. And as the song was playing, I was going to be the trucker and I was going to plow through these bricks. And when I did that, <laughs> I wasn't thinking and ran right into the door and shattered the glass window oh, nice. of the children's church room. Didn't get hurt, um, but I had to pay that off by folding bulletins for the next couple months. So. Oh. Wow. Child labor at its finest. Right. I don't want to go on record and say that I thought until Tim just used this phrase that hop, skip, and a jump was a Southern term. Hey. <laughs> he, he, unless he learned that while he was in Kentucky. Maybe. Maybe uh, so. He, he, he no, we use it. We Ohioans use it. can use that, too. We stole it. 
Okay, good. There's some there are some things that are getting making their way to Ohio, like Chick Fil A in Ohio now too, right? So and AL eight one, we're getting AL eight one now. If you know what, you, if you know, you know. So what is, I don't know what that is, but it's like I, I don't know anything, right? I got nothing. yeah. It's a Kentucky. It tastes like gasoline, but it's like a ginger ale. It's <laughs> not really that great, but it's a Kentucky uh, ginger ale type gasoline flavored ginger yeah. ale. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so, so mine is really kind of it's it's kind of funny. My I have a younger brother who's three years younger, and my mom and dad uh, or my mom. Well, we had in in our guest bedroom back in the day. My brother and I shared a room, and the guest bedroom was my great grandmother's um, like antique four post cedar bed, and and we actually had the the still had the old like feather mattress, you know, like the real heavy mattress. Which I don't know if it was called to sleep one, but it was fantastic to like fall on and jump on and that kind of stuff. And so this bed had the 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 footboard of this bed. My brother and I would would stand on the footboard and hold ourselves by the on, on hold balance ourselves on one of the four posts, you know, and just like nesty plunge back into the um into the into the mattress. It was just fun, you know. We're boys, what you do? <clears throat> and we'd done it several times. My brother uh actually was the one who fell backwards and when he did did his nasty plunge the the uh the cedar um what do you call the bed rail the side rail you know cracked and broke well my mom found out and and i and i literally took the beating for that my mom like spanked me like brutally spanked me and i kept trying to tell her i didn't do it i didn't do it and so i got in big trouble for something my brother did at least that's what i thought um, but she spanked me and, and to this day, if I say, if I bring this up, I told her years later and she felt guilty about it and bad about it. So this day, if I tell my mom about the fact that she spanked me for something my brother did, she feels guilty, but, um, I got in pretty big trouble for that. And for, for, I guess. And your pretty... brother never fessed up. No, no, my brother <laughs> would never do that. He, he would never listen to this podcast, but if he did, <laughs> if you ever listen to this, Brent, you still owe me for that. <laughs> although although if i'm being truthful the other the other thing that we that my mother so i'm 49 years old almost 50 and about i don't know 15 years ago we we're sitting around at christmas one year and got talking about growing up and i made some comment to mom and dad or out loud about my brother broke his arm one year so we had a pop-up camper growing up i never got in trouble for this one so i guess this, maybe that's why i got in trouble for the other one so we had a pop-up camper and, and if you went camping, it had canvas sides. And so if you went camping in the rain, you had to when it, you had to open it up and dry it out or it would get mildewy and moldy. So sometimes when they would do that, my dad would open the backyard. And one night we convinced him to let us, my brother and I camp out in our backyard in the camper. And we got to wrestling around on one of the ends one night. And he was on top of him. I pushed him off. And when he did, he went off the edge of bed and tried to catch himself on the floor. When he did, he broke his arm. Well, that we didn't, it was that night, it was kind of, it was hurting and all that. We didn't say anything. Well, the next morning we woke up and his arm looked like it was bad. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I'm at this point panicking. And I said, we had a trampoline. I said, Brent, you got to tell mom that we were jumping on a trampoline. And that's how you broke your arm or how you hurt your arm. They went and got x-rays. It was broken and all that. And so a few years ago, I told the story. Mom says, wait a minute. That didn't happen on the trampoline? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The trampoline. That's what it was. The trampoline. <laughs> So maybe that's why I got in trouble for that. It was just, it was karma and yeah. back, back, back at me. So, yeah, so that's fun. Um, that there's <laughs> that parenting is never, I tell, I tell parents all the time that there is no, there is no handbook for how to parent. 
You know, you just have to try to yeah. kind of learn by experience. Uh, so but when it comes to parenting and ministry or, or involving parents, particularly in youth or children's ministries, it can be uh, quite a, uh, it can be a, a, a difficult thing sometimes to balance that and to learn how or figure out how to do that. Uh, but it can also, when you do it well, it can, I think, can really enhance ministry and, and make ministry even more effective. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today on this episode of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. So as we jump in, maybe we'll start with just kind of the general thoughts that like we usually do about, about parenting ministry. What, what, tell us, tell me your, any of y'all, your philosophy on, on why um, involving parents in ministry uh, to, to youth and children, why is that important or, or what, what benefits do you see? Why, why is it important to do that? I'm going to have to edit a bunch of long pauses. Out. <laughs> well, I'm trying not to be the first one all the time. Um, I think it's, it is important because first um, and foremost, I believe faith development starts at home and, and students mimic what they see happening in the home yeah. from birth. Let's be honest. Yeah. And so if you're not supporting <clears throat> what the, and, and the parent is with this, their child more than we are. Yep. And so if you're not supporting and approaching um, parents as partners, you're totally missing the boat in that. Yeah. And, I love the idea of, of parents as partners. That's, that's kind of my, the way I approached it when I was in the local church. Um, I, I used to, when we would do, we started youth or youth in my church started in, in sixth grade. So, and we let them do, uh, we let them start kind of during the summer after their fifth grade year to kind of transition, but they couldn't go on. Like we had like the summer camp stuff and all that, but anything we did, you know, at the church programming wise, they were invited to, and I would do a six, what I call a sixth grade orientation. And, and what I, I would always talk about, there's that passage of scripture somewhere talks about a, a a cord or, or three strands of a, a three stranded cord, you know, is, is tough or be broken. And I always say, you know, spiritual development for a young person is, is, is there's the, there's the three strands are, are the church that, that kid or individual youth, whatever. And then the third strand is their parents. And, mm -hmm. and if we all work together, but it's going to take all three of those strands working together in order to, um, to, to develop um, those young people into, to disciples. And so, I would agree with the same thing, Katie. That's that's the, to me that the importance there of, of of not seeing, and I think in the church sometimes we tend to hire out a youth worker or a children's worker, and say, well, they're going to handle all the youth ministry, yep. um, and it's their job to raise that. You know, they're getting paid to do that, and and so cutting that off of the past and and making it. Um, making it known that that that's the way we want to work, and it's not me doing it and you're receiving the benefit as we're going to do this together. Yeah. Not, Tim or or y'all got any thoughts about why you think it's important? I would just add that I think that parents just need to know that they're not alone. And I, okay. I think oftentimes we all know the struggles of parenting teenagers, especially. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, and as you know, there's a certain element of teenagers their young people are still the same as they were when we were teens, mm -hmm. but obviously the technology and all the other things in our culture are changing rapidly. So I think sometimes parents feel overwhelmed and they may not always have an outlet to ask questions, to find guidance, to, to just find, I think people just want community. 
parents just need community. Um, and I think that can reinforce, obviously, if we can model Christ-centered community, that can reinforce that they are not alone and they don't have to walk through this life um, without, you know, someone beside them. So, yeah, that's great. That's good. And I think a lot of times parents don't feel equipped. They don't think they feel equipped to be a spiritual leader in their child's life. They don't mm. recognize that just living their life is being a spiritual leader in their child's life. And so when we look at it as a partnership, um, you know, from the quote unquote expert, which I would never say I was an expert in, you know, in ministry by any means, but people look to those employed by the church as the expert, like you were talking about, Chris. And so when, um, when we can partner and share resources, yeah. um, I think that goes a long, long way. Yeah. I think parents too think that everyone else has it together and they don't, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it doesn't take long to figure out that we're all just winging it and, <laughs> And we need, and you're right, Tim. I think that support is so helpful to hear that, that, no, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, I would say where we are that we're the expert in connecting people, right? We don't know all the answers, but we can connect you with someone else who may help you or support you. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was for me. And, and, you know, I I know that Kay, you had a a former life, you know, but the the rest of us, because Tim told us he's been in ministry since he was 20 or in college, um, you know, <laughs> if, if you're uh, uh, leading ministry of, for youth or children and, you, and you're not yet a parent or, or if you're working with teenagers and you have young kids and don't know what, it, what it's like, sometimes we feel um, ill-equipped to, to try to, I always did at least, I always felt like, well, what do I have to say to a parent of a teenager? I don't even have kids yet. Or when I had infants or, or toddlers, um, but I think that was the key, Kay, what, what you got on got got to there was just getting uh parents in a room together to 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 be in and and offering opportunities for them to be vulnerable to one another to say this is hard. Um that that and that, that we can be helpful to one another, even if it's just a place to vent about the difficulties of uh parenting children or parenting teenagers. Um I I, I used to I um I used to always say that, you know, I'm one of those weird, and y'all are probably like this to some degree too, I'm assuming because you're in youth ministry and have been for a long time, that I'm a little weird because I'm more comfortable in a room full of teenagers than I am a room full of adults, Mm -hmm. which makes me a little weird. But I think there's this running perception of of the general public that when when at midnight on, you know, 12.01 a.m. on the day your kid turns 13, that all of a sudden they 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 sprout devil horns and become the spawn of Satan, and then you've got to just you've got to just survive those years <laughs> until they turn twenty, and all of a sudden they're no longer a teenager. Twenty. Um, well, I'm still waiting. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's the, the, the perception, though, is that, that, that and that's another thing too is this perception that adolescents and teenage teenagers are from thirteen to nineteen. You know, right. which mm-hmm. we know now from. Um, all the experts of brain development, adolescence, and, and brain development doesn't start now. Stop now. Your brain's not fully developed now until your late twenties, early thirties, which mm-hmm. you know explains why we did things like jump on beds and drink homemade wine <laughs> <and> <laughs> to, to, right. to go back to that. Um, so, practically speaking, what what are what are some things that that you have found helpful in ministry? And maybe we'll start with Tim uh, as our mm-hmm. resident expert in the trenches guy here. 
What are some practical things you found helpful as you lead a youth ministry uh, in in equipping parents and partnering with parents um, in in ministry? Yeah. So one thing that we initiated um, last year, sort of coming out of the pandemic, trying to explore new ways to engage with people as we're still kind of trying to figure this out. Um, One thing that I'm really proud of is um, I started a, a monthly parent group. Mm-hmm. A parent, I actually call it the parent support group. Like let's nice. just call it what it is. And um, hi, and then I, hi, my name's Chris. Exactly right. I'm a parent of a teenager. We all could use it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should get the name tags and everything. Um, Twelve step program. Right. And uh, and and so we were doing that the first Sunday of the month, and I was also doing it at the same. So we had youth group in one part of the building, and then the parents on the other side. So like trying to also incent them to get your kids here for youth yep. group, and then there's something for the parents. Uh, you know, the first Sunday of every month. Well, this year, and so we saw some success with that. This year, we added a new component to it, and we started sharing a meal together. Mm-hmm. And so on the first Sunday of every month, parents and students, we eat together. We put some table talk questions, and we mix up the teens to sit with other parents. So we don't just have like the teen table and the parent table. And what we're finding is it's 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 sort of creating this intergenerational um, uh, family, really, is what we are. And, and the interactions that the teens have then with other parents is really interesting because sometimes they might talk more yeah. uh, to another adult than they would okay. to their own if their own parents were sitting That's at the good. table. It's helping the parents see, well, maybe my kid is, isn't that bad after all, or maybe he's just like this other kid that I'm, they're learning and to, you know, when they're engaging in conversation and whatnot. And then so we, we share a meal together. Like, so this Sunday we're having, it's tacos, it's taco night. I do a sign up genius parents kind of volunteer we bring it's all sort of a real simple process so we eat together for about 30 minutes and then after after we're done with the meal and usually there's a theme the parents then go up to their room and they have their conversation and the students go and do their thing and then we kind of just wrap up for prayer at the end but i'm finding like this is it seems like so simple like it's almost like why didn't i think about this before yeah but getting everybody in the same room it's it's making me think of of student ministry in a more more holistic way Right. Mm-hmm. That's really that nice. does involve their parents, which then can reinforce the what Kay was talking about earlier about parents leading their family and faith at home. So they're just and we'll see where it takes us. But right now um, we're seeing, you know, small pockets of, of success with this. That's and awesome. I think largely because people just they do want that community and they're sort of desperate just to, mm-hmm. to be together with like minded individuals and to know that they're not alone. So, yeah. So there's that 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 that, that, that long or uh, that popular long-term phrase that it takes the village to raise a child. And that'd be mm-hmm. something to me that, that you, and we kind of lost some of that maybe in our culture. And you know, we talked about one of our recent podcasts about, um, actually, maybe this is not on a podcast. I was talking about this somewhere else that, you know, we used to live in this front porch world where people sat on the front porches and you right. saw your neighbors and your neighbor, you're out in your neighborhood and, and kids are playing with neighborhood kids. And, 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 you know, I can remember that, you know, as a kid, if I've been down at, at, at a neighbor's house and and I did something wrong, that parents can call me out on it and 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 maybe pun- and maybe punish me back in those days. We kind of lost some of that. But what something like me, Tim, what, that that allows an opportunity for um for that, you know, it takes a it takes a village to raise a child thing to to happen because the, even those parents that are around the table may have an opportunity to impart wisdom or 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 you know, or correction or, or, or support, you know, for that young person that, that is, is very powerful. 
mm-hmm. that's cool. Okay, Laura, anything that y'all that sticks out in y'all's minds about practically about ways to involve parents in the um, in the process of ministry? Oh my gosh, are y'all gonna do this again? <laughs> All right, Laura, why don't you go? Laura, you go first because Kate doesn't like going first or second, evidently. Well, no, I just feel like I talk a lot. I'm gonna shut up. Whatever. Not a problem. Um, well, I think I mean just I love how simple and practical that is that you just mm-hmm. shared because that is something that every church can do, no matter right. if it is a church of 20 or a church of 2000, you know, that is something that is attainable and doable. And I think um, a lot of times it's, it's important to remember just to invite parents to be a part that Mm. um, because, you know, some parents may never even consider going on a trip or doing whatever it is, leading a small group, whatever. um, But in just remembering how important that invitation is to parents to, to be a part. And then also little ways that you can um, remind them throughout the week that, you know, we are remembering you and praying Mm -hmm. for you too, like a, you know, a a text update or um, a weekly email with some, you know, it could even be like the schedule for the week, but also a few notes and ideas about, things they could discuss with their students. I love the idea of the table topics that you were talking about. Um, and even sending some of those home for people to do mm-hmm. around their own yeah. table um, mm-hmm. at home could be. That's one of the things that practical. Yeah. And, a lot, and now you're seeing a lot of, um, of, of ministry curriculum that'll have that element where mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, here's some things to send to your parents for them to kind of reinforce what was taught yep. uh, at, at the Sunday night or Wednesday night session or, or whatever it was. That's, that's good stuff. How about you, Kay? It's, it's your turn now. You can talk now. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, I do love the idea, Tim. I think it's, um, which you've shared with me before and that's why we invited you <laughs> Thanks. Um, because it's working for you. And because I think it kind of came organically. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's timing. Um, there's been times when I remember feeling like parents just drop their kids off and don't really want to be involved. Um, so I, you know, thank God that, you know, you have parents who want to be involved and to be there and do this um, at this time. Um, so, you know, is that a result of COVID and from families being together and they want to continue to be together? Maybe. Um And I also, I remember years of ministry feeling guilty that we were separating families so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be able to still have a meal together, um, uh, I think is fabulous. Um, Hey, and let me jump right in here. And there's a couple other components that I think any church could could add into this mix. And it's really practical. So um, I've also invite in, a, a veteran parent, maybe a parent oh, of em- yeah. empty nesters, their kids are in college. And I, I don't, there's no agenda. I talk to them beforehand. I say, you don't have to be an expert. I'm not bringing you in to be an expert. You can, you can, you don't have to say a word. You can just listen. If you feel like there's something that you can share that might help the conversation, go for it. And so I think that's also added another layer of this intergenerational mix. But I want to tell you how, when and where I figured out this was, we were doing, we were on the right path. So, um, a month ago at our last meeting, 
we used the fellowship hall in the church like a lot of groups probably do and there was crossover there was another group that was using the fellowship fellowship hall and we were going to basically like you know we were going to they were going to end and we were going to start and if you you've been a youth leader you know there's that anxious moment where as a leader you want to be prepared and you want to have everything yeah. set up and you want to have everything be perfect when everybody gets there anybody listening you probably understand what i'm talking about mm-hmm. and i i was in a position where that couldn't happen and i was mm-hmm. very antsy so I was like pacing around circles in the kitchen of our church. And gradually the parents and students just trickled in to the kitchen as we waited for this other group to leave. And it dawned on me, like after a while, here we are, we're gathered around literally the kitchen table in our church and everybody is enjoying conversation. They're in, they're mingling, they're talking, they're getting their food prepped. Nobody cared if the room was perfect or not. They're just hanging out and getting to know each other and it was this family vibe, much of what it would be like in our homes. And I was like, okay, that was a God moment for me to realize mm-hmm. nobody cares about perfection. They just want the community. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. A couple of things that, that I had, well, to, to piggyback on what Laura said about involving parents in, in, um, in ministry, I think sometimes there's this thought that we, in order to involve parents, we have to have, they have to be like our, our volunteers or mm-hmm. always there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's value in just having a part. And so I got to where, so we would do a summer mission trip and I was always looking, it was always nice to have more adults um, on sites mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so I would start inviting parents. So they wanted to come be a part of that. And it, and it really became a twofold thing for us. One was there was, we had more adult um, leadership, in terms of, you know, just um, uh, supervision, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, but what really happened, too, was those parents who would go on that mission trip could see that it was more than just, um, there was more to it than just building a house or building a yeah. wheelchair ramp or whatever. There was the, the ministry side of things. And then, you know, what when you do this well, the one of the great benefits of of parent involvement is they become kind of, um, your biggest cheerleaders because they see mm-hmm. that, that there's more to it and, and they're willing to share that not only with folks in their church, you know, but one, you know, one of the, I was listening or reading a book uh, recently about hospitality in the church. And, and the guy was talking about that, you know, we don't, we're in a culture now where inviting someone to church is not as easy as it used to be because you've got to line up your schedule with their schedule, make sure you're going to be there and they can be there, et cetera. That, that more so than inviting folks to churches, it's that 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 recommending a church to someone else outside the church, you know, that and you talked about that there are people who will recommend a church that's not theirs because to somebody else. So, you know, if, if you've got folks who've had a good experience as a part of one of those events, parents and they're at work and they're the, or, or or wherever they may be and, and someone's looking for a youth ministry, then they may recommend your ministry of children to children or youth to them, and they may become a, a, a part of that. Another thing that I think is important that I, I kind of learned over time was I kept hearing from parents. Well, it actually started, I had one parent who um, who had kids who were introverts, and, and and she made a comment to me one time that 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 she felt like our ministry was very effective and, and helpful if, you were, if, if kids were extroverts, but if they were introverts, that it wasn't. And it really kind of struck me, and, and I... I, I said, well, I started thinking through, how can we, because I'm an extrovert, you know, surprise, um, <laughs> you know, I'm an extrovert. And so I didn't, I was like, how do you do that? And so we actually created a parent advisory council mm-hmm. and they only met like 
I think twice, two or three times a year. But usually it was before we were like when we were trying to do we were planning like the fall calendar and the spring calendar and the summer calendar. Um, early on in that process, I would get some input from them, you know, and say, okay, even even practically speaking, like, hey, this is the retreat we're planning on looking at. It's gonna cost us this. Is that gonna be is that affordable? Is that something you guys can swing? Um, you know, what are, and, and not, so we obviously had a youth council that kind of, we talked about, you know, what topics are on the hearts of kids, but I would also ask parents, Hey, what do you see from your, from a parenting standpoint, from your perspective that we might could address in terms of the, the spiritual development for your young people. Uh, and so having ways for them to give input like that um, can be helpful. Uh, we used to do a, uh, it, it started out as a parent youth softball game in the spring. It turned into, it eventually became a parent youth kickball game. You know, but it was just a simple opportunity. We rented out a, we rented a, a or rented a, a, a picnic shelter at a local park that had a baseball field, and we did a cookout. And you know, and it was just a chance for, like you said earlier, chance to build relationships mm-hmm. with parents. Also, I would do. Uh, we used to have our small group, our youth small groups, from Wednesday nights, and, um, and this is what I was talking about earlier. I, I, I was when I was in seminary. One of my one of my uh, courses I was taking in my in my counseling program. Uh, we had to read a book called Age of Opportunity by Paul David Tripp. Um, and basically, just that book was moving from seeing the teenage years as a a, a season to survive hmm. and, and shifting it to a, to a time to thrive in your relationship with your teenager. And so we started doing that in the fall every year, probably four or five years. The you know during the during the fall, I, I would have my volunteers lead the small groups for youth, and I would lead the parent. Um, uh, would teach that course, teach that book. We talked about that. It was more of a discussion group about the round of book. Um, so I think even like you said, just that, that I think they're still around. Uh, Walt Mueller just had that website, CPYU, the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. Uh, he does a great job on that website as far as um, helping anyone, youth leaders, adults, understand teen culture. And so, you know, I would share things like that, uh, articles from there. And, and I would do a monthly parent newsletter that basically mm-hmm. kept, I think that's another thing too, is keeping parents in the, informed. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen? When's it going to happen? Um, all those kind of things, ultimately, they they just they they breed and and gain and earn trust for you as a youth leader, especially if you're new. You know, right. if you know if Tim's been, I think he said at Wadsworth for 11 years. I was a trainee mm-hmm. for 16. You know, once you're there eight or nine years, you know, you're trusted. But at the beginning, <laughs> you're, hopefully. You're, you're kind of, yeah, hopefully, uh, unless you unless you've like, you know, taking your kids to the grandparents house and drinking homemade wine, <laughs> you're not trusted. <laughs> Or, or I heard, or I heard there was one youth group in in South Carolina years ago that uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I, I heard this. I don't, I can't confirm. It's allegedly, true. allegedly, there was a youth group that they were on a trip and they stopped to eat and they all went to a Hooters. And I'm like, who would you know? Oh gosh, those are the kind of things that will will quickly um, lose trust. Yes, rob <laughs> yeah. you of trust. Uh, but again, just showing them that that you're there to help them as well um, can can be can be uh, mm-hmm. super. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I'm trying to think what we can talk about beyond that. Um, what do you have a, a, a re, uh, can you recall, like, do you have a, a, a story of, of, of like the, the a win, like that was really impactful, like a, a relationship was built with a parent or how you saw through parent involvement in ministry, a relationship between a young person and a, and a parent, um, kind of fostered or, 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 you know, 
what's what's a a a story of a win that you can we talked about you know how we got in trouble but what's what's a what's a parent a parent and and young person um victory that you, you could share with the group something that was went really well an event or a relationship no, like, like I'm trying to like, what was an outcome? Like an outcome that would be that might be helpful or encouraging for someone who's like, I don't see how this could ever, you know, be helpful. Maybe mm-hmm. a, a, a situation where you saw uh, a parent who was really got it, you know, and, and connected with a young person or whatever. Yeah, I stumped you again. I'm like, I can see, mm-hmm. I can see these looks here. Yeah. So I, I'll share. So you know, there, there I used to keep a. Someone gave me the idea years ago, maybe in a National Universe Convention one year, of uh, creating what they called a a, um, a blues buster um, folder. And so basically, it was anytime you got a positive feedback, a note, an email, or whatever, to keep it printed off as an email, find some way to get a hard copy, put it in a folder, and call it a blues buster. And when those times hit, when you're down in the dumps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go back and just read through those things and remind yourself of, of why you do it. That's a great And, and so... Yeah, I, I can remember, you know, several occurrences where parents would send me a letter saying, you know, Johnny and I have, you know, thanks to the the study or, you know, that you, since you, because you invited us to be a part of that mission trip, you know, this relate our, our relationship has been strengthened um, and, and we're having conversations now that we that we, we've never had. And I think that's, you know, ultimately, that's the kind of the feedback that you want. That's what you're wanting when you include parents is to strengthen um, their confidence in, 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 in living into that role as, as Kay mentioned earlier, as the, as the primary developer of the faith in, in their young person. Um, And and I, I, those are always um, encouraging, obviously. So I, I will share um, this And it was something that was already happening at the church when I got there, but it continued, I think, to be a highlight. Um, During the confirmation process, um, they would be on retreat. And on Saturday night, um, we would do these letters. And so prior to this, the youth leaders would reach out to the parents and ask um, people who have had an impact in their um, child's life, teenager's life, to write letters. And I think this is copying um, uh, another ministry does this. Anyway, so the parents would write letters and then they would ask others. And so we would pull the parent letters out and the students would sit and we would do this devotional thing and, you know, the importance of supporting one another and sharing the love of Christ, blah, blah, blah. And then they would read <laughs> Yada 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 yada. yada. <laughs> and that's then that's Seinfeld. That's their not parent the letters, right. And then we would put the rest of them back um, on their beds, and so then they would go back to their beds, and then they and that then honestly half the time they would cry themselves to sleep. <laughs> it, it's fabulous, trust me, because then they go to bed. Um, but although a lot of times we would sit out and they would come and talk to us because they they were so impacted. You know, especially um, not to put men down, but typically men don't share their emotions. And so they were shocked sometimes to hear those words from their parents because maybe they never had that opportunity before. Yeah. 
Um, and then they would talk about <laughs> after they would graduate or even in high school, they kept those letters and would go back and read them. So giving parents opportunities like that to be able to either share their feelings or share their faith um, mm -hmm. with their students, I think is always so impactful. That's a great, that's a great, um, a great tip. What what other tips do you have? Any, any practical tips that you've got that that? What well, I can share a win that's also a tip, a uh, yes. practical tip for parents. Love so it. when early on in our ministry, uh, our kids were really little. We have three children. Oldest is a sophomore in college. Our youngest is in eighth grade. But when the kids were really little, you know, like two three years old, um, we would have students over to our house. You know, maybe once a week for just a meal. We called it SUP apostrophe S U P, as in we're going to eat together and then we're going to have some conversation. Well, you know, we were as you said. There's no there's no playbook. There's no manual for parenting when you have a toddler, and so we would have students sitting around the, the table. And you know what happens? You know, one of your kids or our, our own kids spills their juice or something falls on the floor or blah blah blah. You know the kind of stuff that kids do. So as a parent, like. We just reacted like normal parents would, you know, imperfect. You know, we might sometimes maybe we maybe we yelled or sometimes we panicked or whatever. But I got a message from one of those students who was sitting around those tables with us, the table with us all those years. Got a message from her a few years ago. Now she has a toddler and she reached out to me on social media and was like, do you remember when I was in high school and you guys had little kids and you were just so honest and authentic yeah. with how you parented? And you were imperfect, but you didn't seem to care that you were imperfect. I mean, at the time, we didn't, my wife, Jen, and I, of course, we're not thinking about that. Right. But she remembered that now as a parent, mm -hmm. and she's trying to model that same authenticity um, and willingness to be imperfect as a parent. I thought that's a win. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's huge. And that's so much about, there's so much there in terms of, like you said, you, you weren't you you weren't processing. How can we show these kids what it's right. like to be imperfect? You know, that's not exactly. all we're thinking. Um, but I think that, and to me, I think that's one of the things that have, that we have whittled discipleship down in a, in, in, in a lot of ways um, to, to teaching, you know, lessons, to teaching about God. And we've lost this, this idea that discipleship really is about life on life. Right. And, and, you know, Jesus walked around with the disciples and he taught them organically as things occurred. That there was not, he never really had, I mean, he taught lessons, but right. there was like, he never really, I don't think Jesus ever spent time looking through curriculum catalogs, trying to find the right curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, watch, you know, and, and there's that and Paul in, in, in one of his letters says, you know, be holy as I am holy. And it's not that I am perfect, but it's, I am, I am, Paul was not, but was by no means perfect, but he was striving after God and 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 it was that it was almost as if Paul, you know, he says, you know, be perfect. I am perfect. It's like, come see how I am chasing after God in all mm -hmm. my imperfection. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and I think I heard somebody one time say, you know, is if 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 someone was to follow you around and act and follow God the way you follow God, would they be closer to God or further from God than they are now? And I think that's so. Uh, not only is that, I think a way for us as as individuals, but as parents, to think about not only what am I showing or how am I teaching. Uh, somebody, some used the word mimicking earlier. You know, is if my kids mimic um, what they see in me as far as faith development, is it going to lead them more to Christ or further away from Christ? 
Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things that I tried to make a practice of too was um, I, I would try to like, even during pickup time, because, you know, for the kids who couldn't drive moms and dads, we had this, I say pickup line, like it was you know, like a preschool, but we had a, there was a door, there was one door at our church. It was kind of the place you came in and out into the gym there. And then we go up for youth group or whatever. And I'd make it a point to kind of, I mean, it's partly logistics. I'd be standing there looking for cars and then I would holler in, Hey, you know, Johnny, your, your rides here, Susie, your rides here, whatever. But I'd make it a point as much as I could. Every time as, as I would holler at him, I'd go back to that car while I was waiting on him and try to find something to brag on their kids about, you know, and it was, and, and sometimes it's really hard to do that because they can drive you crazy. You know? <laughs> but, you, well, you know, but trying to find out what's something I could say positive about their child, because, again, all that is reinforcing, hey, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. I, I was sharing earlier before we got on the, the started recording that uh, my tw- my now my oldest daughter's 23 and lives in Japan. She, her husband's in the Navy and she's become friends with um, I, I I think I'm right, and and Lindy listens to this podcast, so she'll correct me. I'm sure. <laughs> I think the lady she's befriended is is a is the chaplain's um, family, chaplain's wife, and her name is Araz. Well, the other day Araz sent my wife a an email or a text or something. They've connected on Facebook because Lindy was hanging out with her and just said how much she loved our daughter and and basically saying you know thank you for raising a, a solid kid, and that meant so much to us. And she's 23. You know, and, and hearing those things from from somebody who knows your kid. Um, so finding ways to to even and if you can't do it in person, send an email. She did text message like Kay was saying earlier um, to to encourage them to say, "Look, you're doing a great job." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means a lot. That's a parent for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, you know that that was the thing that I the first time I did that that uh, age of opportunity study. You know, I was really I was. I was nervous about it because I think at that point, well, it was probably Lindy was probably a three or four. And and I don't think Ruthie was even born. Cameron was, you know, one, you know, two, whatever. And I was really nervous about what do I have to offer parents of teenagers? And But I gave them with just getting them in the room and sharing stories like Tim had said earlier, letting them know they're not alone, that, that mm-hmm. it is it is you are normal um by 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 being your 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 uh, fears or or perceptions of what it's like raising teenagers that everybody has those and everybody has struggles and nobody's perfect this is all great stuff for Laura to know as her kids are not at teenage years yet so that's true yeah yes. so anything else you'd share about uh, um on on the on that end as far as uh ministry of parents any closing thoughts Nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, then, then, I almost. This is almost a really. You know, usually we have silky segues. This is a very unsilky segue to this <laughs> week's random, random, um, random fact of the week. Are y'all ready for this? This, <laughs> this made me laugh. I'm ready. I know. Get get your Google machine ready. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pigeons can't fart. So what happens? I don't know. According to this, according to this website, uh, farts are caused by a noticeable number of eruptions from intestinal gas. However, for a bird, their intestine is short, which causes them to get rid of waste more frequently. Mm. 
Oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. I'm I mean, going to share that with the middle school boys this Sunday. They will yes. love that. Right. You, yeah, you, will gain instant, you will gain instant street cred when you're right. middle school mm-hmm. boys by saying, hey, do you know any right. any creature that can't fart? Because I. <laughs> so is it just pigeons or all birds? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Google it. Google it. <laughs> I don't really care about that one. So, so that maybe, would be why my windshield looks like it does when I sit underneath a tree. Yeah, so now Kay's like, right. I wish they would fart because I wouldn't have to wash my windshield. <laughs> <laughs> I'd save myself some car washing struggles. I'm going to go to the car wash too often if, I, if, if, if they'd actually just fart instead of poop. That's funny. Oh, gosh. Yep. So there you go. You, you're yeah. now that much more smart. You have more useless information um, thanks to facts.net. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. Well, we hope that uh, you found some... some uh, <laughs> that was probably not very helpful, but we found, <laughs> hopefully the first 25 minutes or every hour we've been recording this podcast, you found some helpful tidbits um, that, that can help you. I feel like that's just been really... Um, more practical maybe than some of our other episodes that, that you got mm-hmm. some things you can take and put into practice in your ministry. I think bottom line is it, it's just almost like Tim Sarah, just do it. He didn't say that, but he just, he, he's, he saw an opportunity to connect parents and kids and just try it. Um, right. One of the things I've always said about youth ministry and ministry of children as well is that unlike adult ministry, we're okay sometimes to fail. Uh, and so don't be afraid of failure. Uh, reach out, uh, take a take a risk, uh, see what happens. And maybe God will surprise you sometimes. Usually he, he surprises us uh, more often than not. Well, don't see it as a failure. It might just be need tweaked a little bit, you know, so. Captain positive. Yeah, seriously. It's what you learn from the experience, right? Yeah. Sometimes tweaking it. I there's a, crash. I I there's a Yoda moment here. <laughs> There is no fail. Only, there is there is no fail. Only try. Yeah. There is no only, fail. Only learn. There is no try. Only do. I think is the Yoda quote. So yeah, I'm trying to make a new Yoda. Not to get all nerdy on you, yeah. Star Wars nerd. May the force mm-hmm. be with you. We hope you have a great week. If we can help you at cultivate uh, group, check us out our website cultivate group. I almost said cultivate ministry. Cultivategroup.org. That's C U L T I V. The number eight group.org. Reach out to us. Uh, let us know. If you have tips um, that you'd like to share with us, uh, check us out on social media. Uh, when you see this podcast posted on social media, uh, share some parent tips you have uh, in, involving parents in your ministry. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Oh, and thanks to Tim, by the way, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Again. Thanks for having me. I'm so used to not having guests. Okay. I almost didn't thank you for being here. It's fine. Um, but your, your insight was great. We really appreciate it. So see you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.